0: Well, we're back in Genesis, and oh, I don't think I've been up here in a while. So nice to see y'all. <laughs> uh, the uh, <clears throat> the turkey shoot. We're going to do a, a a little raffle and stuff. We uh, we uh, have done a lot of raffles and stuff, but we haven't done anything for for just the the fellowship for Out West. Um, and so we, uh, we thought, uh, actually what happened was I was at a rodeo Bible camp about a month ago and a man walked up to me and he kind of heard what the Lord was doing here without West Idaho falls. And he walked up and he, handed me a check and he says, maybe this will buy you some square feet. And so <laughs> I, well, and so I went to our secretary, Mrs. Eve, and I said, do we have a building fund? She goes, actually, I've got a little set aside. So. So we're going to do, it's it's basically a little bit of seed money for the raffles for our uh, future building if the Lord Terry's. But, but I don't really want him to. Uh, so anyway, so that's what that's going to be about. And uh, we are going to continue through the book of Genesis here in chapter 21. And uh before we do let's pray father, thank you, thank you for your word that is um Lord it is truly alive, and uh the things that we're going to see in it today uh are are good in their uh are powerful glory and they're they're promised to us and so we just uh just like many was saying Lord we have the confidence the assurance of heaven, yeah. the assurance of um you coming again and Lord that uh, that we win so what a glorious thing that is I ask that you would uh, speak to us from your word this morning in Jesus name Amen so we're uh, we're getting to that place where the Lord has promised uh, for some 25 years that these two are gonna have a baby and uh, God keeps his promises Amen. God is not a promise breaker. God, the God that we serve, he is a promise keeper. And um, you, you you, have to ask yourselves, well, some people ask themselves, what are the promises of God? Right. Well, what are they? And uh, uh, do you know them? And if you don't not go know God's word, you don't know them. And if you don't know them, then you can't have them. Um, so you need to know, it. and most people don't, they do not know the promises of God. Most Christians don't read God's word. They don't know what the promises of God are. Oh, they hope, right? They, um, they hope that they're, they're right with God. I've been to deathbeds where people say, I, I hope I've done enough. That's somebody who doesn't know the promises of God, Right. Because you could never do enough. You can't, I can't, no one can do enough. Only Jesus could do enough to get you and I to heaven. And I love this story. I just got a text from Pastor Dave over at Water Springs, a, a mutual friend of ours that passed away. Some of you know him. Uh, he ushered over there for several years. And um, he was just so confident in his faith uh, of walking with Jesus. He knew he was going to go home. And he, uh, Monday, he had got out of his bed and was trying to get to the bathroom because he was trotting. He was a trotting. Some of you know what that means. It used to be the backdoor trots. Uh, he was trotting. He didn't make her. Down he went on the ground and made a mess. And, and he used it as a witnessing tool. As the nurses come in and start cleaning him up, he said, you know, I kind of feel like Jesus on the cross, I'm sure it didn't feel real good having all the crap of the world on himself. He led two of those nurses to the Lord. uh so I'm just thinking, I want to go out way, that way minus the the poo, right I'll make cowboy church, sorry. But, but many people don't know the promises of God. Uh, some may know uh, about 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, and it says this, it says, For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me, Paul speaking, Silvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him is yes, for all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Some people know that verse, that all the promises of God are to us are yes and amen. But what are all the promises of God? Right? Because a lot of times you have to go back to the Old Testament and you got you to gotta know some of what the law says, that, that God promises the Israelites, right? Today I said before you, blessing and cursing, life and death choose life what you're gonna choose and 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 what is God okay with what is God not okay with and so um so often people are so ignorant of, of the of the promises of God um one promise that a lot of people don't like to hear is what Jesus talked about in John chapter 16 verse 3 to 33 he says, These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. That's a promise. Tribulation is a promise. We don't like that. Churches don't like that. Pastors don't like to teach that. Well, my congregation will dwindle. Well, they need to dwindle. (laughs) Right? If they're not going to embrace the promises of God. And so uh, another one is uh, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. It's as though Peter is suggesting, listen, what Jesus said about the fire of Charles is true. It's it's interesting that the word fiery there means purusis. Kind of sound like the story I told you, right? A burning, a refining, a fiery test. You had any of them lately? It was fiery tests. This is just a test, you know. And really, it really is. It is a test. You know what's in people when you put the pressure on, right? Whenever it squoze, what comes out? Have you been shocked before? Have you been shocked before what's come out of you? Right? Uh, And then, then trial, the word trial there is pirasmus, Uh, And it means calamity, affliction, an experiment, a trial. I like this one, probation. Some of you have been violating your probation. And so it is a struggle. I've said it before. I heard Greg Laurie say it some years ago, a faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted and you find out real quick when those things come those tribulations that jesus talked about and um and how people respond and uh some shine really bright kind of like my brother keith this last week before his going home and so um then you cross-reference those ideas Right? With, with trial and tribulation and struggle with, in Luke chapter eight, you have the, the, the soils that Jesus talked about. It's when the word of go, God goes out and it goes into somebody's heart. And you hear it. And it's like it makes a connection. You're going, wow, this is true. This is the truth. The Spirit of God just leads you to that and you, you, you connect with it. It's, it's, it's the Holy Spirit. Revealing Jesus to you. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And you know it's the truth. But Satan comes. Right? And in that passage in chapter Luke, he comes and he steals the word of God out of people's hearts. You've heard the whispers. Haven't yet? Oh, this is, this is a fairy tale. This thing you, people say, this guy rose from the dead. It's surely not. No. Only a fool would believe that. And you believe him. You believe the lie. I mean, honestly, if I'm going to be honest, there's been times where I'm on my knees in my room, looking at the wall, trying to pray, thinking, have you lost your mind? Right? Is God really there? Do your prayers even make it past the ceiling? That's Satan coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And then next it was the 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 word gets squashed by that trial or that temptation or even persecution will come. And when we were in Boise a couple weeks ago, it was the first time I'd ever Oh, maybe I haven't shared this with Well, I haven't shared this with you because I haven't been here for three weeks. But, um, but the rainbow people came out. The rainbow people came out. And they, they were, uh, they, they were, they were kind of letting us have it. Calvary Chapel har- harbors pedophiles. And this one good dude had a, a pride flag and a whistle. And every time we would pray or do a worship song, you'd just, haunt, just pound on this whistle. And then they came across the street and were closer to us on the sidewalk. And I was talking to my cousin that we used to get a lot of fisticuffs when we were young. And I was talking to my cousin and this great big burly guy with a beard looked at me and goes, shame on you. And I'm just like, so I told my cousin, I said, hey, if you see my face on the Boise Statesman, you'll know I backslid. Actually, the Lord has tempered me over the years. I didn't get angry. I, I actually laughed. I mean, it was a bit comical, but I'm just thinking, oh, this is what that is. Right? You guys are so intolerant. What, do you hate these these people who, are, who have chose the gay lifestyle? You hate them? No, we don't hate them. We disagree with them. Right? We disagree with them. It's not It's not according to God's will. It's opposed to God's plan. We know that, and to say anything about it, now you're condemned. You're a bigot, you're, it's hate speech. Actually, it's truth speech. (laughs) I just came up with that one. Did you like it? Peep. And then it gets even worse because it gets closer to home with us uh, then the cares of this life. Uh, uh, your, your undivided attention is with the cares of this life and the deceitfulness of riches and the pleasures of this life. We Americans, we like our pleasures. We like comfort. The ideas of suffering and giving stuff up. It's so painful. We're right in line with the rich man. Remember the rich man that came to Jesus? What do i have to do right you remember jesus gave him uh several of the commandments gave him, you know six of the commandments and and uh he kept back four. jesus did and it says he says do these and he says all these i have done since i was young i've honored my father and mother i haven't committed adultery i haven't committed murder i haven't lied i haven't stolen i've honored my you know parents And the Lord says, you lack this one thing. Actually, it was five because he didn't mention the last one, which was covetousness. He says, you lack one thing. You go and sell all that you have. That's Jesus dealing with his covetousness. And then he says, and sell all that you have and follow me. That's loving God, the first four. And so... These things that I've just mentioned choke out the promises of God for you and I. They choke them out. Because though God's promises are beautiful and good and it all ends well, the process many times is extremely painful. Was it not for him? The promise of the Messiah was a painful thing for the Messiah. Right? He he was brutalized. He was abused. He was he was beaten beyond recognition as a human being, and he didn't falter. He didn't weaken. We use that term in our whole cowboy world. He didn't weaken. Do you weaken when it gets tough? I know I do. I'm kind of a I'm a wimp. Just ask my wife. And so knowing these promises and hanging on to the promises of God are, are, is a powerful thing, right? I don't know about you, but it motivates me. It just, man, keep going. Man, when it starts getting tough, I, I can hear Jesus whispering in my ear. Now, not audibly. Well, maybe sometimes. Depends on how, how much pressure's on, right? Scotty, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. I have to tell myself that sometimes, right? And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. Try to do it on your own. And well, some of you have. Maybe some of you aren't trying to do it on your own. And it's weighty and it's dragging you down. And you just seem to fail after fail after fail. And that's why the Lord says, come to me. Uh, I'll give you rest from that, from that fail. And so these, these things right choke out your belief in the holy one people say to me all the time scotty i'm a very spiritual person what is that supposed to mean anyway you ever had somebody say that it's very very popular today right i'm a very spirit well is a very spiritual person too does that make him right with god right satan is very spiritual he's uh well, it says there in, you know, um, James chapter two nineteen. you believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. The demons are spiritual. It's like you're trying to establish a relationship with God by saying that you're spiritual. You're spiritually dark because you have not been born again. Your spirit hasn't been made alive by the Holy Spirit. You haven't been quickened that's what the Bible calls, all horseshoers know that. Any horseshoers in the room, right? When you quick a horse, that they're made alive, right? And um, it's when you hit that, that part of their foot that's, uh, that's, that's got nerve endings in it, they come alive. But if you haven't been made alive by the Spirit of God, then you don't have any promises to claim. Done. Except hell. Judgment. What you rightly deserve. What I rightly deserve. That's what you can claim. But uh, we've come to a place, folks, in uh, in our world and in our society where there's no fear of God. I just talked to a guy yesterday about it. um, People have a form of godliness, right? But they deny its power. That's what it says there. Second Timothy chapter three, verses five through seven. It says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power and from such people turn away. For of this sort, listen, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make Captives of gullible women, loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. So, woman's fault again. I'm joking. Okay. But I saw this. I saw this when we were there at the Capitol. There was another dude there, and he wasn't with the 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 people that were protesting for the most part. He was protesting, but he was so confused, right? The guy had a had a a little stick and it had a pride flag, American flag, and then he had a horn in his pocket and he had a he had a uh I I mean I would I would say cowboy hat, but it wasn't a cowboy hat. It was more like a, a crocodile dundee hat on and he had a Bible verse on a cardboard, piece of cardboard. And I'm thinking, what What's this dude's deal? And so when we would pray or worship or or one of the guys would speak, he would blow this horn. He would blow his horn, put it back in, and he just walked really cool, really slow. Never got really loud. I mean, he would quote things, you know, as he was good. And then he would take his hat off, get on his knees and pray. And I'm wondering, who is he praying to? Greg, this is a very confused individual that, has never come to the knowledge of the truth. He has a form of godliness. People will even name the name of Jesus. Uh, To me, that's bizarre, but they do. They name the name of Jesus, and then the things they do deny him. And that's what was happening um, with these people that Timothy's talking about here. He says, that they're loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning. I mean, coming to church. They come to church, but they never come to the knowledge of the truth. What is God going to do with those people? I mean, I just, it's just a scary thing. How can they hear the truth all the time, but never totally embrace it and believe it and walk in it? I, I don't, I don't get that. But, it's very real because you'll hear see and hear people as far out there as you can imagine that would that quote a Bible verse and that they're they're no closer to the Lord than Satan is. And then Jesus says that about these people and it was I just thought of this guy when when I read that that this passage in Matthew, Matthew 22, you know, when they came to Jesus, trying to trick him about the resurrection and the dude that, uh, the gal that had been married to seven brothers and in the resurrection whose wife she's going to be in, And the Lord just looked at him. I, I'm sure he probably shook his head and he, and he said, you are completely wrong. You do not know what the scripture teaches and you don't know anything about the power of God. And that's what it, how it is with so many people. So many. Only 25% in the parable of the four soils actually got it. 25%. Yeah, there's, there's no fear of the Lord. And so we need to fear him. We need to fear him uh reverentially but I saw I fear God of what he can do to me. you realize what God could do to you (laughs) it's just like I I do fear him I'm afraid of what he could do to me and when I was growing up I had a dad I was afraid of what that man could do to me right he could rip me limb from limb and when I was a teenager he wasn't around because my parents divorced and sometimes I look back and go thank you Lord he would have killed me right I love Psalm 1110. I think it's 11110. I'm not sure. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of a wisdom, a good understanding, right? Understanding the promises and the truths of God have all those, have all those who do his commandments. His praise endures forever. Amen. Knowing what we know according to God's word and God's will. No life can compare to it, right? No life can compare to it. No way of life can compare to it because this world has nothing to offer because it, it is in constant battle against what? The flesh, the world, and the devil. Constantly in battle with against the flesh, the world, and the devil. Now, Abraham and Sarah, they feared God. Ab- Ab- Abraham and Sarah... Uh, knew the God of heaven and his promises because what? They believed his word. They believed what God had said. By faith we see, right? In in Hebrews chapter 12. Some 12 months earlier, God said that they would have a son and here he is. God brings laughter. Right? That's a promise of God to Abraham and Sarah. Read it with me. Chapter 21, verse 1. I I did not quite mean to go that long for my introduction. but And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, right? Believe in God's word. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, from whom Sarah bore to him Isaac. And then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him, and Sarah said, God has made me laugh, and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have born him a son in his old age. Yeehaw! And it finally got here! Right? I'm just... I'm just so identifying with Abraham and Sarah here, right? Yeah, and this waiting game. The Lord's coming, right? He's coming. It feels like he should have came last year. It feels more like he should have come this year. And we're waiting, right? We're in this waiting and it's just, you know, it's coming. You know, it's coming. I, I think we're seeing some birth pains. What do you think? Have you noticed the weather patterns around the world? All the flooding—this this is wild. The the crazy things that are going on in the world. But it's, but when it comes, it's going to be like, eh. man, is that going to be cool? I I just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's hard to um, most well, hard to not anticipate. I I I I. I... I, I want him to come and I, I and I want him to come soon. And and that's probably what Sarah's thinking right now. This is really happening. This baby is coming. What God has said has happened. Isaac uh is is a wonderful type uh of of a picture of jesus because you know you always say that when you read through the scripture where's jesus in the scriptures and and isaac is a type of messiah they're laughing they're laughing i got grandkids and i'm telling you what i'm around my grandkids i'm laughing all the time right they just they bring a joy to your life and no doubt here's abraham and sarah they're they're the age of a lot of grandparents and some of them double uh, the age of some grandparents, but but the the types between Isaac and Jesus are powerful. Both were uh, specially promised sons. That's what we're talking about: is the promise. Jesus is the promised son. Isaac was the promise to Abraham that Jesus would come through. Right. Both conceptions were miraculous. Uh huh. Both were born uh, after a period of delay. Uh, both mothers were given assurance by truth of God's omnipotence, right? That God's able to do this. Both were given names rich with meaning. Isaac, meaning laughter. Remember? <laughs> Ball, right down the wrong. Um, sorry, I get too excited, and you know when you get older, you, I mean, weird things happen when you get older. The saliva kind of starts flowing, right? And, and these hairs, I, I got to have my barber trim my ears now. I've never had hair coming out of my ears. And I get these eyebrow lashes that are like, or these eyebrow hairs that are like three inches long. It's just all of this weird stuff. I'm so looking forward to that new body. <laughs> somebody said it's only just begun boy how is that true and both were given names rich with meaning right jesus names mean yahweh or yahovah is salvation isaac names mean means laughter and uh both births occur, occur, occurred at god's appointed time right right when god said it was all in God's timing. God's never early. Boys, are we right on time? Galatians chapter 4, 4, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman under the law, Jesus. And both births were accompanied with great joy. Right? You remember when the, the uh, angels showed up there right Uh, and they said do not be afraid for behold i bring you glad tidings of great joy which will be to all people for there is born to you this day in the city of david a savior who is christ the lord joy 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 right don't we sing that during christmas joy to the world but it started with isaac right he's the promised son god's promise I hope you're hanging on to God's promises today, right? I hope you're hanging on because he won't let you down. You might let him down, but he won't let you down. Then verse four, then Abraham, Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Faithful Abraham to do what God had instituted, the circumcision, right? Picture of the new birth picture of sensitivity towards the God of heaven and he uh, does what any good dad would do he puts the mark of God on his boy dads I've got to tell you you're everything to your boys because they're going to become you I remember thinking that boy did it enhance my prayer life Oh no, these boys are gonna be like me. Please no, Lord, please don't let them be like me. I think any any dad thinks that way. I don't want this boy to be like me. I want him to be like you. And um but for for our our sons and our daughters to be more like God, then they need to know what that takes. And they're watching you. Your kids, your grandkids. I'm shocked at my grandkids and what they see in me. It's, it's, just, it's, it's got me on kind of pins and needles a little bit. Because they don't miss nothing. You know, them three-year-olds, they can, they can identify a hypocrite 100 miles away. It's like they got this big neon sign, hypocrite, hypocrite. But Abraham, he puts the mark of God on his son. And that's what we're doing. We do a baby dedication. What are you doing? You're wanting, you're asking God, bless this baby. Do something, please. Please help us not mess them up. That was my greatest fear. Man, we're going to mess these kids up so bad. And I knew that I needed help. I knew that I needed. I needed to pray for my kids. I needed to pray for their friends. I needed to pray for their 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 future spouses. I needed. To, golly, just all this weight started coming on me. I'm just going, oh my gosh. And then, so, so really, they will saying with our kids, is this more caught than taught, right? It's more caught than taught. And so uh, you have to be careful at what your kids catch at. No pun intended. Right? What do they catch you doing? Catch you lying? Cheating? I loved it when my kids caught me praying. I loved, my, I loved it especially when my boys caught me and their mother praying. Are you guys pray it. I got a question when you're done. I go, ka-ching. We did well that time, right? A lot of other times that week, it was probably a disaster, but right? They got to see it. I used to catch my grandma reading her Bible and my grandpa both. Very consistent. What do your kids catch you doing? What do they want? They're watching. They don't miss a thing. If you're doing this all the time, they're going to be doing this all the time. They can do it with both hands though. Um, they need to see us seeking the Lord and they need to know that we have a relationship with the Lord. Uh, the times my kids have asked me to pray for them, right? Um, that's because they know I have a relationship with God. Did they know you have a relationship with God? They need to know that. So um, verse 5 says, Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. Now I like that because this is just confirming what the Lord had asked Abraham earlier, right? When Abraham was laughing, the Lord asked him, Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? You're a hundred years old, dude, right? You're a hundred years old and here you are, you're a papa, right? You're a papa of this promised son, not a work of the flesh, but it's a work of the spirit of God. And so it was was like the Lord was just going, just saying, right? Just saying, you're a hundred years old. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And Sarah said, verse six, God has made me laugh and all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Right? It is so laughable. I mean, it's, it's just, I can imagine seeing Sarah and Isaac at the park. That would be comical. Her trying to keep up with a little toddler. And 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 nobody would have believed them. If, if if the if the right if the herald would have went around the world, <laughs> a ninety-year-old woman gives birth and nurses a child. Uh, yeah, right. I've seen nine-year-old women. That would be rough. And more ways than one. Yeah. Uh-huh. For I have borne him a son in his old age. Laughter at the promise of God. I don't know about you, but when I think about the promises of God, I just get plumb giddy. They're getting so sweeter, aren't they? As time gets closer. Time gets closer for the Lord coming, but as we get older, we know that our time here is short. And um, that we all should be setting our minds on things above, not just the old, but the young, Because it will make your youth so much greater. When you set your mind on things above, Proverbs chapter 17, says, A merry heart does good like medicine. But a broken spirit dries the bones. Sarah's bones had been dry with sorrow for so many years. And her sorrow was over. It was time to laugh and to dance. But the last time I checked about that whole dryness thing, God is able to bring life to those dry bones, right? Right? Ezekiel 37, you know, them bones, them bones, them dry bones, right? And uh, you've been dry lately? I think we go through seasons, right, in our Christian life where things are kind of dry. I think it's a test of faith. How faithful are you going to be? You going to hang in there? You going to throw in the towel? So God makes her laugh by giving her this baby. Secondly, it, it is so odd for that woman to be that old and to have that baby. Um, anyone around the world would, that would have heard it would have laughed. But right on the heels of joy, you know it. Here it comes. Conflict. It doesn't last long. Yeah, I... Our, 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 the Bible says that in the presence of the Lord, there is joy evermore. But we're not totally in his presence all the time right now. We can come into his presence and experience joy in the even in the middle of a storm. But I can't wait till there's none of these storms. But they're getting ready to go into another uh, a storm right here in verse eight, where it says, and I'll, I don't know how how I'm doing on time, but I know I've gone longer Uh, So verse 8, so the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham scoffing. Uh, Could also mean mocking or teasing or making sport of. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman, woman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman wo- shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight. So here we got dysfunction junction, right? The fight's on. Mama Bear comes out. You're not going to teach, teach my baby that treat my baby that way. Some think that Isaac was between three and five. Some say as much as 12. I would probably, I don't know. It probably depended on how many goats they had. They didn't have enough goats to feed the kid. Then mom, you're up. But, um, but anyway, so he does this feast. Why? I think this is the only time we see a feast for a wean child. It's like they're going, God's going to let him live. He really is the promised son. We're, we're going to celebrate. And, and in fact, they do. And here comes, here comes Ishmael. And, um, he's, he's mocking the little guy. And I don't know about you. I worked with kids for years and there is nothing more infuriating than seeing a, a young pre or young teenager tormenting a three or four year old. Right. It's just like it, it gets your ire up. Even, you know, because they're almost big enough to go, okay, you want to go? You know, I'll knock you out. Uh, but, um, and so, but this is Abraham's son. He loves him. He don't want him to go away. But what is it? It is the typology in this this section of scripture, folks, is, it's, it's powerful, right? Paul, Paul spends quite a bit of time on it there in uh Galatians chapter 4 um uh, when he when he talks about um the 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 typologies here between uh Isaac and Ishmael um you know she's saying get him out of here get them out of here this 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 son of the bondwoman uh, it's a type of the works of the flesh versus the works of the spirit Isaac and, and Ishmael, it's it's a type of law and grace. Uh, it's it's a type of the promised son and the 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 son that came through the manipulation of mankind. It, it's this these typologies that that are that are powerful and that really hit home with us. Uh, Sarah also says, "Listen, for he shall not be heir." He shall not inherit with Ishmael. They're going to have two different inheritances. And we see that today, right? Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Isaac is the father of the Jews. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing it today, this week, actually. And I, I and I'm going to get there. Um, but, uh, I, 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 I looked, to some of these Bible scholars to talk about this to where it's actually understandable. And, and David Guzik says this, he says, it may have seemed ruthless of Abraham to do this, but it was exactly what God wanted and exactly what needed to happen. You mean God don't care? Well, sure he cares, but God has a plan. And when you and I muddy up the water and screw up his plan, then he's got to fix it. And I, that is never not painful. It's always painful when we mess things up. Flesh and blood do not make the strongest bond. God wants us uh, to have honor. God wanted Abraham to honor him, not honor Hagar and Ishmael over him. How many people you know in families, they honor their family members above God? That's a curse. Don't do that. Don't honor your family members above God. I've seen seen husbands honor their wives above God. I've seen wives honor their husbands above God. I've seen parents honor their children above God. Don't do it. And sometimes not doing it, it hurts. Because some of us just, I just want peace, love, and brotherhood all over America. I don't want to make no waves. There are times when we need to make waves and this was one of those times that Abraham needed to do this. God wants us to be ruthless with the flesh in the same manner, right? And we go back to what Jesus said, cut it off, pluck it out, all those things, be ruthless. There are circumstances when we can do nothing other than put away family for the glory of God. Years ago, I remember a guy had three sons, the oldest one went off the rails. He was 15 years old, went off the rails, was pounding on his two younger brothers, was just whoring around, doing drugs. He was just, this kid was a mess. And the dad finally got, he, got, he said, you're done. You can't live here anymore. This was in Southern Cal. And he kicked him out in the streets. And he says, me and your mother, we've done all we can to, to, to try to get you to change your mind. You don't want to. You cannot live here anymore. You're on your own. See ya. He was, he this kid was a mess. I mean, he OD'd once, was in an emergency room. And they called him. They gave permission to treat him. But he said, the Lord wouldn't let us go. Said, he's mine. Leave him alone. When his dad kicked him out of the house, he said this. He says, Marcus, you owe me one, one thing. When you find whatever's out there that's better than Jesus, you owe it to me to come tell me. Three years later, I think he was 18, he knocked on the door and his dad opened the door cause he had, he'd call his parents and tell him, tell him he was going to kill him. And, um, when he finally came home, he knocked on the door and as, as the dad opened the door, he said, dad, there's no better Right. But man, that was hard. It's like hands off. Do you really trust God? Could you do that? But really what he's saying here is separation has to happen, right? Uh And we have to crucify the the works of the flesh. It says that in Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And those who are Christ, are you Christ today? If you're Christ today, please listen to this. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You've crucified it. You've kicked that fleshly part of your life out. It's it's done. It doesn't rule over you. Doesn't mean you won't stumble occasionally, but it does not rule you. The spirit of God does. And that's that's the lesson here. And so. How you doing? Right. How you doing this, this, this battle between the flesh and the spirit, right? Galatians read chapter five. It just it's just it's a it's a powerful, powerful um. Illustration of flesh and spirit, and that the flesh and the spirit don't inherit the same things. Right? What is this what does the flesh inherit? Those who sow to the flesh will reap what? Death and corruption. That's what happens with the flesh. Those who sow to the spirit reap life everlasting. these two isaac and ishmael they're not going to have the same inheritance they don't today have the same inheritance where is israel israel is where israel was i know that seems elementary israel is where israel was and is it's still there the arabs are where the arabs are today that's there and that's what they got they inherited two different types of land in fact This is so, it was so bizarre that I was in Genesis chapter 21 this week. This week, Vladimir Putin met with two Arab nations, right? Two Arab nations, Libya, which is a rogue nation, right? Since Qaddafi went away in 2011, it's just been, they just been whoever had the biggest club rules, right? Muslim Brotherhood, whoever. And then he met with South Sudan. South Sudan is not part of the Arab League, but they were part of the Arab nations even before uh, they split. He met with both those leaders this week. Vladimir Putin, you say, well, what does that mean? That means that Ezekiel 38 and 39, those are two of the nations that are listed in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and it still has to happen. And it's look lo- looking like it's getting closer and closer. Not only that, not only that, but, and I'm, I'm closing with this. This is kind of a little prophecy update, right? But, uh, and so they're, they're going to come against Israel, right? Ezekiel 38 and 39 is that war when Russia with coalition nations, looks like many of them are Arab, they're going to come in against Israel and God is going to intervene in a supernatural way. And it's on the horizon, right? It's getting crazy. Over there. Uh, But what's even more bizarre is Benjamin Netanyahu at the U.N. This was in this morning's. Listen, this is in this morning's Times of Israel post. I want to read it to you. Have you ever heard? If you open your Bible and open a newspaper and start reading about what's going on around the world how they kind of correlate. Well, this is so spot on. It's, it's actually kind of ears. This is this article. This isn't Scotty Brown's opinion. This is this article in the times of Israel that I read this morning. And who are we talking about? Two men, Isaac and Ishmael. So this is what it says, the United States has urged its Middle East allies, Israel and Saudi Arabia, to normalize diplomatic relations. After Israel normalized ties with the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, and Morocco in 2020, Israel previously forged ties with Egypt and Jordan. What do these all have in common? They are all part of the Arab League. 22 nations in the Arab League. This is Ishmael. Ishmael, right? And they're coming together with who? Isaac. They're not going to be joint heirs. They're not. Okay. So that goes on. The article goes on. and says, And in an address to the United Nations General Assembly on September 22nd, this month, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, Israel was at the cusp of a transformative peace agreement with Saudi Arabia. And you've seen some of those, some buzz about that. Such a peace will go a long way in ending the Arab-Israeli conflict. I don't think so. Said Netanyahu. It will encourage other Arab states to normalize their relations with Israel. Iran's in there. You think they're going to normalize? Ain't no stinking way. It will enhance the prospects of peace with the Palestinians. It will encourage a border reconciliation between Judaism and Islam, between Jerusalem and Mecca. Listen between the descendants of Isaac and the descendants of Ishmael. This, this was, this was on the Israel Post. Do you think we're getting close? If you don't, you are a fool, right? You are a fool. Don't turn a blind eye to these things, folks. So many people are. I talked to many of you and you're so frustrated. You're frustrated with your family. You're frustrated with the people you talk to because these things are like handwriting on the wall and people are ignoring them on purpose. They don't wanna deal with it. Well, you better start dealing with it, right? You better deal with it. Deal with it in your own heart Draw close to the Lord and he'll draw close to you. And that's how you'll be victorious. There is no other way. There is no other way, right? These guys, these guys think this, this, this all, as I was reading this this morning, as I was reading this, I'm going right to 2 Thessalonians when it says, when they say peace and safety, and then sudden destruction comes, the Arab people hate Israel, they hate them with a passion. They would want to annihilate them, and so it's it is interesting that when you read Ezekiel thirty-eight and thirty-nine, Saudi Arabia, who they've been doing talks with, Saudi Arabia is one of the nations with the Young's Lions of Bashan, which many believe is us, is is descendants of England, right? And they diplomatically in the, in the Bible, they diplomatically ask Russia and their coalition armies, what are you guys doing? And Sheba and Dedan, which is Saudi Arabia, is, is, it's like they're going, No, nah, we, were, we were trying to keep peace. And they said, We've taken, we're coming to take a spoil. We're, we're going to annihilate Israel. That will never work. I don't care if the U.S., Russia, China, and every other superpower in the world came together, they couldn't hold a candle to the nation of Israel, Right? because Israel plus God is the majority. Amen? And so it is with you, you and me. God plus you is the majority. He's on your side. You just got to make sure you're on his. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we we come before you, and Lord, it's just, uh, it's so real. Your word's so alive and so powerful and so prevalent for this very moment that we find ourselves in. And Lord, I just want to m- make sure that I give anyone an opportunity to come to you even today and just uh, just take up that Isaac-like picture of walking by faith and hanging on to your promises, knowing that you're the God who keeps all your promises. And so Lord, as we're in an attitude of prayer right now, Lord, and there's those maybe in this room that need to draw close Maybe you're knocking on the door of their heart, even right now. And if that's you and you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or you just want to have spiritual eyes, Lord, help me see, help me see what's coming at us. Help me be spiritually aware of what you have for me as a person, how you want to fill me with your Holy Spirit. If that's you. And you just want to grow closer and draw near, to the Lord or maybe ask Jesus into your heart for the first time I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet if you've never done that you feel that that's something I need in my life I need a power much bigger than myself he's able to give you that anyone else you just say Lord fill me with your spirit give me your peace in the midst of all this stuff that I could see clearly to follow you. Lord, I just thank you. Thank you so much for these who are standing. Pray that you'd bless them. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Lord, walk with us. Help us to have those eyes wide open, Lord, as you encouraged us to watch and to pray and to see those things. And when you see these things, He tells us, lift up your head for your redemption draws near. And so, Lord, uh, I know there's a good chance we don't need a building. We just need to be looking to you. Because you're coming. So help us to be ready, Lord. Forgive us of our sin, Lord. Whether it's negligence or laziness, Lord, or just uh, being perverse when when we know that you've called us to a life of holiness and righteousness. And we can't do it on our own. We have to have you give us that gift of righteousness and give us a passion in our heart to love you and to love each other, as hard as that is sometimes. So, Lord, we just draw close to you now. Pray that you would bless those who are standing and those who just need a word of prayer, Lord, that they would just be bold and go back and be prayed for. or be with us this week. How about just the end of this day? Because tomorrow may not come. So help us to be ready for that as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.